Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, leading people into the Christ-centered life. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Well, good morning. Glad you could be here. Uh, my name is Mesh. Uh, I'm one of the guys on staff here, and uh, I'm looking forward to this morning. And before we get into the message, we just want to hear from a couple of people this morning. And I'm going to call up Somdi, Brother Somdi. He's going to come up, and he's going to come share. Now, if you don't know who Somdi is, Somdi's a part of our family here at the church. And he and his family have decided to walk in faith and go to, and I'm not going to spoil it for everybody. I'm going to let Somdi fill, it every, uh, fill us in with some information and some updates. So he's going to give us a short update. Then after that, Wilf, who's part of our missions team, I'll call him up in a minute. He's going to come up as well and give us another update, and then we're going to pray for Somdi and his family. So why don't you give us an update? Good morning. Nice to come back home. Amen? Our God is great, and he's so good to us. And my dear friend picked me up from uh, the uh, Tilbury, and I have a place to stay. And thank you for your warm welcome back home again. So there's so nothing much that I can say better than thank you from the bottom of my heart to all of you in here. And my daughter is going to read uh, one word of God for you as well, because you see, we have to train her, right? Before the missionary, right? We. Whoa. What? We know that we are the children of God, and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Hallelujah. We are the children of God, but the whole world is still under the cover of evil ones. It's true, isn't it? So that's why we have, but this is good news for us. And John, want to say something? Amen. Um, she said, thank you, God, that uh, she have a chance to go to study uh, the Word of God. Now she's a brand new person, ready to go oversee and speak to those people that live in the darkness. Amen? This is the good news. Okay. <clears throat> okay, you go ahead. Uh, in my park is, um, I'm very exciting. I've been brainwashed by the Holy Spirit for the two months and ten days. No stop. From the beginning until to the end, until we come back here. So in that two-month period, and the teachers, about 18 uh, pastors that taught us how to, you know, to, uh, they call, I will call equipped, ready to go for the, the war. Amen. To go for the war. Because over there and uh, over in Nong Kai, where they're going to put me in, is the people worship all Buddhas, all Buddha religions. And God already showed me all everything over there and how we're going to go in there, how we're going to save the, those people. And uh, they already been affirmed. And they, they prophesied to me is uh, I am like a Moses. And to go over there to take the people one by one out from the darkness to these words. So I just want, want to update. Everything's uh, in God's hand. But I cannot decide what day I should go and what day I should move from here. That has to be the team over there and over here to talk together. That's why I have a team that uh, we're going to come and explain that to you. Uh, how long we're going to be uh, ready to go. Amen. So I just want to say thanks again. And I love you all. And... 
put my love, put all your love in my heart and put my love into your heart. Amen? Then we can be continue in a family. Family is a key, right? We have to love one another and we have to go forward. Amen? Thank you, Pastor. Five minutes gone. Handsome Wilf, come on up. <laughs> this is Wilf. He's part of our missions team, in case yeah. you're wondering who he is. And he's just going to give us an update on uh, Somdi's status as well. Okay, I'm, uh, I am on Somdi's missionary advocate team, and I feel honored to have been picked by Somdi for that, along with a few other folks here in the audience. And I just want to give you a brief update. Um, Somdi came back on Friday from Abbotsford, where he was doing the the uh, readiness training for, with uh, MB Mission. Um, there's a few outstanding things that have to happen before Samdi can leave. One of them is uh, a Canadian permanent residency card for Chan, his wife. Uh, her residency card expires at the end of February, and she needs that for when she comes back to Canada. So uh, that has to be renewed. Unfortunately, it can't be renewed until 90 days before it expires. So he's sort of in waiting mode until December 1. And then he'll apply and hopefully he can go pretty quick after that. So uh, that's, and in the meantime, uh, a place has been found for somebody to stay. He is staying at uh, a family. Giesbrechts uh, have uh, graciously opened up their place. They have a little apartment on their property, which uh, somebody and his family are staying at. So anyway, so that's, that's good. There was a bit of scrambling going on, but the Lord provided and uh, people were gracious to do that. Uh, I also want to mention that uh, I talked to Al Stoby. Al Stoby is a guy at uh, MB Mission. He is, I think, he is your sort of supervisor over there. And he says there is still um, some outstanding, um, there's a funding shortfall of about $2,600 that somebody still needs. So if you are able and willing, uh, come and see me. I can give you uh, Samdi's project number, and uh, a do donation can, of any amount can be made to MB Mission to help cover this shortfall. Um, and also, while Samdi's here sort of waiting, I would encourage all of you to connect with Samdi. Perhaps you could do that over lunch or over dinner or over coffee or any other way. Um, it, you can hear Samdi's passion for Jesus and for the Thai people. And he would be delighted to share that passion with you that he has. So please take up uh, advantage of the time that he's here. Connect with him. It'll give you more stuff to pray about while he's away. You know, it's, it's so good to hear what God is doing in Zombie's life. And as we prepare for him to go, and we will prepare ourselves as well as we pray for him and encourage him and stand on the gap with his family. So thank you, Samdi, and your family for being here. Uh, we're going to call you up as well. Can you call her up, please? And we're going to pray for you guys, if that's okay. So again, as Wilf mentioned, if you see these guys in the foyer, connect with them, have them over to your house for a meal, uh, and maybe get them to cook, because they can cook good Thailand food. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it'll be all good. Let's pray for these guys. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for how you lead us and guide us. Thank you for Samdi and his family. And I pray, God, as they prepare to go to Thailand, that you put in everything they need uh, for them to get there, their finances and all the paperwork for immigration. I pray, Lord, that those things will fall into place. We commit Somnia's family to you. We ask for blessing and favor upon them. We ask, God, that you prepare the people in Thailand as they go, that they be able to 
Touch people's lives through your Holy Spirit, and many lives would change. Thank you for the call you have on family's life, and I pray, Jesus, that you be glorified in all things. And we commit all things to you. We also pray that God ground to be taken back into Thailand for your kingdom, and the enemy would shudder at the work that is going on there. And that, Father, we see so many things happen and lives change and people would walk away from Buddhism, Jesus, in your name, and they would come to the truth of who you are. So, Lord, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for Samdi. Thank you for the support he has. Thank you for this church that walks with this family and for how they have stepped up in so many ways to bless them as a family. So, Lord, we commit them to you, and I pray that as they hang around here and visit, that they would just feel filled by your Holy Spirit, that they would be encouraged and inspired and know they are loved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. What's well, a good way to start the service? Well, this morning, uh, we're glad you're here. And as we talk about Salamdi going on missions, and that's kind of where we're headed this morning as well, to talk about this idea of what does it mean uh, to be on mission. And it's a great way and an opportunity for us to unpack that this morning. Now, back in the day when I was pastoring at a church, we were in charge of the church sign. And we would put up different things on the church sign. And I was looking for church signs that were funny, and I found a couple that I thought would make you laugh. Honk if you love Jesus. Text while you're driving if you want to meet him. So for those of you who texted this morning on the way to church in your car, uh, you've just been warned about that. So the next one there is uh, come here, our pastor. He's not very good, but he's quick. I like that. I like that. That one's kind of funny. Uh, this one's good. Do not let worries kill you. Let the church help. I don't know if you ever need assistance in that or not. Some of you are finally getting that. It's early in the morning. I get it. You haven't had your coffee yet. This one here is uh, God shows no favoritism, but our sign guy does. Go Cubs! <laughs> Cubs won the World Series. If you don't know that, they were down 3-1, to one, and they came back and they won, so I thought that was amusing. This one here, if you are praying for the snow, who keeps praying for the snow, please stop. Please stop, so uh, keep that in mind. And if, if you're praying for snow here, please don't do that. We don't want snow right now. Now, there are some signs that are confusing. I don't get this one at all. Like, I'm not sure what you're supposed to do at this sign. Uh, I would just probably park my car and walk if I saw this sign. I wouldn't know what to do at all. So, uh, and it's interesting. Now, as we think about signs, as we think about these uh, things that we see in front of us, often these signs are self-explanatory to a certain degree. And sometimes they're hard to understand as well. And this one here, right lane must right left. I don't get that one at all. And I remember thinking about the church signs that I've been dealing with. And I had a friend of mine who had a church sign in his foyer, in their church foyer. And it's very similar to what we have in our foyer. And it simply said this, you are now entering the mission field. Now, how many of you have seen this sign? It's just out this door to our left here. And that's the picture I took. And I remember talking to my friend of mine at his church. What does that sign mean for your church? And I asked him, do you think the average person understand what that means? And he, he kind of looked at me and said, I'm not really sure. And so we talked about it a little bit more, and I asked him, what do you think it means in your life when you see that sign? When you see the sign that says you are now entering the mission field, what do you think it means? And he didn't really know. He didn't really know. And as I saw that sign here at this church, I was encouraged, and I was inspired, but I was also thinking, if you go out these doors, you're entering the mission field. But if you go out the other doors, are you entering the mission field or not? Because there's no sign above that door. So sometimes you can look at that sign and go, you know what? I don't feel like entering the mission field, so maybe I'll go to the door down the hall instead. You know, it's easy to think those ways. And uh, 
As we think about the mission field, as we think about how God can work in our lives, I think often we can sometimes think that God only works amongst the church, within the walls of this church, within the walls of our ministry, and we sometimes forget that God is at work in many, many different ways. And it's a great reminder for us to know that, that God is working. And we need to realize that God is present and active in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, and in people's hearts. And it's something that I know I need to unpack. Now, as you think about that sign that's above this door over here, you're now entering the mission field. I want to unpack that a little bit. And first, I want to figure out what does it mean to be on mission? You know, what does that really mean? Now, the Bible says this in Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, lo, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. See, I think sometimes we think that Christians' missions is only limited to overseas, but it's not. It's actually here in our community as well that we need to be involved in reaching people for the gospel. And as we think about doing that, how do we do that in our daily life? Brother Sambi has decided to take him and his family to Thailand. And some folks are called to go overseas, absolutely, without a doubt. And they're, they're called to do the special thing to pack up family and to go to a foreign land and to enter relationships with people that are far from God. Uh, but the Christian mission doesn't only start there. It also starts here as well, for home for us, as we think about what does it mean to lead people into a rela relationship with Jesus? What does it mean to be on mission here in our communities? And to understand that God has called us to be the hands and feet for where we live. And it's something that I need to understand more. And I think it's a great challenge for all of us as a church as we enter this conversation about what it means. Now, in Jesus' day, people often believed that God's presence only dwelled at the, at the temple. Uh, that's where Jesus came. And people often thought that's where the work of the Holy Spirit only happened, where Jesus was. But something radical happened. Jesus became flesh, and the Bible says this, and the word became flesh and lived among us, and we've seen his glory, the glory as the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. That's John 1, verse 14. Now, there's a version of, the, of that scripture out of the message which says this, and I love what it says here. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Now, think about that, that God has become flesh, and blood, and he's moving into the neighborhood. The neighborhood you live in, the neighborhood I live in. God does not contain himself to one strict area. See, I believe that God comes in through this world into ordinary people like me and you, and he can do some incredible things, including entering our neighborhoods where we live so we can be the hands and feet of Jesus as we enter the mission field, so we can put love where love is not, where we can connect with people and see what it means to be on mission. See, being a missionary is seeing how God is working in your neighborhood and, and joining him there and being the hands and feet of Christ. So when we look at that sign that's above the door there and says, you are now entering the mission field, we can understand it by saying, I am called to be the hands and feet of Christ in very practical ways in the community that I live in. And ask God, what is he doing? And joining him in the work that he's already doing. Now, how do we do this? Where does this all begin? I think one of the things we've got to understand is we begin by spending time with Christ. And one of the great things in Scripture that Jesus talks about was this commandment out of Matthew 22, and it says this. He said to him, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. 
love your neighbor as yourself. And the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, oftentimes as Christians, we will focus on the first part of the commandment, won't we? We'll talk about, you know, we're called to love the Lord of God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. And we often tend to forget the second part of that verse, which says, well, we are called to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we've heard this idea of what does it mean to be in love with your neighbor, to show love to your neighbor. It's about this idea that it isn't just somebody that lives right beside you. Our neighbor is anybody that we interact with on a day-to-day basis. It isn't strictly just somebody that's beside us. That includes our enemies. That includes people that we don't necessarily get along with. That includes people that might be different than us. But we are called not just to be missionaries to our friends, but called to be missionaries to all people. Now we read in the Bible, Mark 1. This is Jesus. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed, and the whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a, very solid, to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, I love this idea because when you think about this, what did Jesus do? He just finished a lot of ministry. He just finished engaging with a lot of people. And when we talk about where do we begin, in order for us to be missionaries in our communities, we need to start by spending time with Jesus. We get wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Here is Jesus himself after having a lot of ministry and a lot of things going on. He decides he needs to go hang out with his father. And he goes to the mountainside, and that's exactly what he does. And he spends time with him, and he understands that in order for Jesus himself to have the strength of the Holy Spirit and to have strength from God the Father, he needs to spend time with him in his presence. And when I think about being a missionary in my community, when I think about being the hands and feet of Christ, I can't do it on my own. And none of us can. We can only do it by connecting with God and understanding that we are called to spend time with God and to read our Bibles and to sit in his presence with our hands open in, in a form of posture that says, Jesus, Fill me, guide me, show me how you're leading me. Because I can't do this on my own. And nor should we do this on our own. Because in my life, when I've done things on my own, I have failed. I have failed miserably. But when I allow Jesus to go ahead of me, things seem to fall in place a lot better. It doesn't mean it's always easy. But what I recognize is that we get guidance from the Holy Spirit. So my question for you this morning and for myself, do you follow this pattern in your life? Do you fall at the feet of presence of Christ? Do you spend time with Jesus so we can have the empowerment through the Holy Spirit to connect and be on mission? And so when we enter the mission field, we're not as intimidated or scared because we have spent time with the source and the power that comes through God. If Jesus himself showed us to do that, I believe wholeheartedly we are called to do the same to spend time with Christ, to fall at his feet and say, Jesus, how do you want me a missionary? When Brother Sami was going through this process of figuring out what he wanted to do and how God was leading him, he had spent hours and time in prayer and seeking and trying to figure out how God is leading him. And God shoulder tapped him to say, I want you to go to Thailand. And maybe he's going to shoulder tap you to do something radical for his kingdom, whether overseas or maybe here locally. Maybe he's saying to you, you need to step out. I need to step out so we can be the hands and feet of Christ. Now, how does this start for us? Now, I want you to really think, break this down in very practical ways today. I'm a very simple person. 
My theory of life is this. I take Jesus seriously, and the rest is gravy. Like, really, I, I give my whole heart to Christ, and everything else will fall into place. I wholeheartedly believe that. And I want to break this down very practically for you and for me to understand that we are called to be missionaries in our community. Now, I want you to understand this. Where do you live? Think about a place where you live. Think about the community where you live. It might be a place where you work, where you play. It might be where you live. I want you to think about that right now in your head, okay? That is your mission field. That is where you're called to serve Christ in very practical ways. We just moved to Wheatley recently. Two weeks ago, we got into our house. Amen. We're excited about that. It's been a long journey. We've been grateful. But we just moved to Wheatley, and we're just down the road. And it's funny. Some of you folks out here are like, you moved to Wheatley? <laughs> and you say it like that. Like, well, what's wrong with Wheatley? It's like far. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's 10 minutes from here. I lived in Calgary. I drove 40 minutes every day to work. You lived in Wheatley? I love that. You guys are funny. And so Wheatley's awesome. We just moved there, and we've been praying already specifically that, God, you show me how, show us as a family how we can engage with our community of people that live there and ask God to show you the same thing in your community. Think about where you live. Think about the opportunities you have to be a missionary in very practical ways and where God has placed you. I believe God has placed you there for a reason. It's not by accident you're there. Now think about how you can engage with the gospel with people that are far from him. And think about how you can engage and walk into that. As we've come to Wheatley, we've met some, a few of our neighbors already. We knocked on their doors and said hello. And we're going to continue to engage with people that way. And as you think about that, the, the best way for us to understand how God is working is we've got to come into this idea with an open posture towards God. We need to say, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, come. I am willing to be a missionary in my neighborhood, but I need to come with an open posture. Sometimes we come to the kingdom, we come to God's work, we have our hands crossed, we're angry, we're bitter, we're busy, we got lots going on, and we forget. We need to come with an open posture and say, Lord, use me wherever you can use me to change your kingdom, to fulfill the needs that are around me. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to raise your hands up and open your heart and say, God, you see the people where I live. Use me. But we need to come with this open posture, an attitude of humility to say, Lord Jesus, I want to be used by you. I want to be a change agent for your kingdom. And that's where we need to begin, is starting with spending time with Christ and spending time with God the Father and having an open posture towards God so we can be used by him. The Bible says this in Matthew 6. This is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now to pray that God's kingdom would come on earth, to pray that God would radically turn this world upside down, goes completely against our culture, doesn't it? What if we decided and we said, you know, Lord, I need to ask you to pray this way. What difference would it make if you pray daily, God, your kingdom come here in my neighborhood. You, Lord Jesus, let your will be done in my neighborhood. What if we started to pray that way? What difference do you think it would make in your community? That we ask God through his Holy Spirit to show us this community we live in, wherever you are, and say, Lord, I need your kingdom to come here in my neighborhood. And often we drive in our neighborhoods every day, we leave those communities, and we go somewhere else, and we forget that God has put something right in front of us to work on. And it's right there. 
And I challenge you to radically pray this, to say, God, your kingdom come here in my neighborhood and see what he does. Because I know he will do something. He will absolutely do something. He will move in your heart in such a way that you never thought possible. And lives will change. Because you've decided with an open posture to come forward and say, Lord Jesus, use me. Let your kingdom come in my neighborhood. Wouldn't that be awesome? And you see God do some tremendous things. And some of you are probably already doing this. And that's awesome. That's fantastic. But I want to encourage all of us as a church to come together and think about what we can do to ask God to bring his kingdom into my neighborhood. Because there's people in your community that live right beside you, that live across the street from you, that live a few houses down for you, that need Christ, that are going through crisis right now, that are going through marital issues, that are going through financial hardship, that are going through health issues, and they need somebody to come along to say, it's going to be okay, and that God does love you, and God is with you. And those are the things we're called to do. Luke 10, 1 to 3 says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Now, I love that last line. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Now, does that sound safe to you? Sounds kind of scary, isn't it? And I think Jesus is reminding us and saying, look, we need people to be in the harvest, but it's not going to be easy. You are going to face hardship. You're going to face some persecution. You're going to have people poke fun at you. And it's not easy, but that's what we're called to do because Jesus warned us it's not going to be easy. And you are going to go out like a lamb among wolves. But God is still with us in those moments. And Jesus sends people into our communities, and we are called to do that as well so we can be on mission, so we can... Think about being an active missionary in the community you live in versus having to think about going somewhere else, like overseas. Because we are called to do those things locally as well. Now, what would happen if we started thinking that way? What would happen if you saw your community as your mission field? Well, if you decided, Lord, this is where you've put me. This is what I want to do. I want to build your kingdom. Now use me and be open to that idea. What would happen? I think a lot of amazing things would happen. I think we start seeing people connect relationally. I think we start getting to know our neighbors in a way that we've never experienced before because we're being open and recognizing that God has called us to be a missionary in the community we live in. It's this idea that we're supposed to step out. You know, I love being able to go to my neighbor's door and saying hello and connect with them and say hi. And I don't always go with an agenda. I don't go there knocking on the door and as soon as they open the door, I smack them over the head with my Bible and tell them Jesus loves them and walk away. That's probably not good evangelism, is it? But what I'm doing is building relationships with people. And I'm saying, hi, how's it going? And we're going to get into that in a minute. But I want you to understand one thing. When we think about being a missionary in your community, the people we connect with are not projects. They're not something we check off on our scorecard. They're not something we say, oh, yeah, I did it. Look at that. I was called to do it. I went and talked to my neighbor. No. It's about seeing them radically through the eyes of Christ and seeing them the way he does. Because oftentimes we call people to do missions in our community. We talk about evangelism. And it becomes a project for people. And there's no heart behind it. It's about checking a list and say, I did it, I'm in, I'm done. But it's about relationship. 
And you know what, folks, and you know this as much as I do, people will see right through it. When you come up to them and try to be all that and talk Christianese and try to convert them through your own power, they are going to see right through that, and they're going to see that you authentically do not want to have a relationship with them. And you know what happens at that point? That door is closed. And so as we think about people, as you think about people in your community, right now some of you guys are thinking about your neighbors and who they are, and you're thinking, mercy, I don't want to talk to those people. (laughs) But I encourage you to look at them and pray through this idea that they are loved by Christ, whether or not you love them or not. And that's something we've got to figure out and understand. All right, let's keep going. Matthew 9 says this. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what it means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I've come to call the righteous, not sinners, but sinners. Now think about that, folks. The church should be a place, a hospital for the sick, not the healed. Because if I came to church only when I was feeling good or when I had it all together, I probably would never go to church. And as you think about people in your communities, if you think about people in our neighborhoods, there are people that are not like you, that don't have it all together, that are sinners, that are far from God. And we need to start thinking our perspective and changing that a little bit. Because sometimes we look at people that are far from Christ with our noses in the air a little bit, don't we? If we're really honest about this. We look at people and go, well, I got Jesus. I'm much better than that person is. You know, I remember not having Christ in my life. And I remember how I used to behave and think. And there are people in our world today, friends of mine, friends of yours, that don't know Jesus. And we think that they have to act a certain way. But here's the thing, friends. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't know any different. I'm not saying to justify the behavior, but what I'm saying is we can't look at people with an attitude of judgment and condemnation when we were once sinners ourselves and because of the grace of God, we are saved. We need to share the same promise of hope of that with other people. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about this very topic, about this idea of behavior and people that behave a certain way they don't have Christ. What do you expect? Like, what do you expect? I have friends and family that are so far from God and their behavior is exactly what I expect of them because I did the same thing. I exactly acted the same way. And it's because of God's grace. Because of God's grace. And even Jesus, he sat at table with sinners and tax collectors, which are great sinners, right? And he did it, and he hung out with them, and people questioned his, his motives. and like, what are you doing? Don't hang out with these folks. Come hang with us righteous ones over here. We're not called to do that, friends. We are called to be missionaries in our neighborhood. But in order to do that, we need to understand that we need to love people, the, the marginalized, the homeless people, people that look different than us, people that are completely of different faiths than us. You know, often I talk to churches about evangelism, and I ask this question to churches, and I ask people this question, I'll say, are you ready for evangelism? Yes, amen, hallelujah, we're all in. Good. And then I ask the next question, what would happen if you were a missionary in your community and your neighbor was a single mom with three kids and she started coming to your church? What would happen if your neighbor was a Muslim and they started coming to your church? 
What would happen if somebody was a different faith completely or dressed in a way that you could not relate to, but they came and sat in your church in the pew you sit in? See, that's when the rubber hits the road. That's when we really realize what we're about, about evangelism or not, because it's easy to rub shoulders with people that we like, easy to rub shoulders that are the lovely people of this world. But what would happen if a bunch of you folks brought people into this church that are so far from Christ, you could see it all over them? Now, I know this heart of this church already from what I've seen. I think you'd be all good with that. I know some of you might grumble a little bit, but overall there'd be a sense of, you know what? This is about God's kingdom. No matter what somebody looks like, no matter who they are, they are welcome to this church at any time. Now, what about people in your neighborhood? Who are the people you're thinking about right now that have their music too loud, they've got their Harleys in the front yard, they've got big barbecues and parties, and you're thinking, I don't want to talk to any of those folks because they keep me up all night. How about when they're having a barbecue laid over, you just head over there with some chicken ones and say, hey, how you doing? There's a great way to connect. So I'm asking you to figure out this idea about this idea of hospitality and being that way in your neighborhood. Now, I understand this. It's a big step, isn't it, to have people in your home that you don't know. I get that. When we were living in Calgary, our home was like a drop-in center. We had people in our house all the time from different faiths, from different cultures, white people, black people, Muslims, everybody. And our kids are experiencing something that I think will be really important for them down the road. And we often talked about faith with these people as well. And that's our hope and our prayer as we live in Wheatley, is that our home will become that way. But in order for us that to happen, here's the thing, folks, it's got to be intentional. Do you think your neighbor is going to come to your door and say, hey, what's up, let's hang out? Probably not going to happen. It may. That's why we've got to be intentional and go door to door and say hello and talk to people and connect with them so we can be missionaries in the communities we live in. I was passing at a church a few years ago, and across the street were some apartment buildings. And it was a low-income apartment building. And I remember seeing a couple of guys out there in the front yard one day, and they were downtrodden. They, their clothes were a mess. They did not look the part, and they didn't smell very well. But I knew that I needed to make a relationship with these guys. So I went over and introduced myself. And they said, on that, at that moment, they said, do you want to come upstairs and have a coffee? I said, sure. So I go upstairs and I walk into their apartment and as soon as you open the door, the smell of that apartment would almost just blew me over. It was one of the worst apartments I've ever seen. It was disgusting. So I walk in, I didn't know where to sit, I didn't know what to do, so I kind of stood there and they offered me a drink. And what are you gonna do at that point? You look at the apartment, you walk into the door, you think about the smell, you think about mercy. If I get a drink, do I need a tetanus shot after? So I took the cup of water and I drank it. I didn't hesitate. And I left. And a week after that, we were having an event at our church. It was a chilly lunch. And I want to invite these guys. So I did. I said, I want you guys to come. And they were kind of terrified, but they said, we'll come anyway. So they came to our church. They walked in with their Sunday best. Holes in their clothes. They needed a shower. They did not look the part. They walked in and the people of the church blessed them. We gave them leftover food and Tupperware. They took off. It was awesome. I got home that night. And my phone rang. And it was the elder board at the church. Dun, dun, dun. Hey, Mesh, we'd love to talk to you. Uh, there's something that's come up. Sure. So they called it an emergency meeting. That's never good when you're a pastor. <laughs> and uh, we had a meeting the next day. And so I went over there and we started to talk a little bit. And they're, you know, they're trying to be... They're trying to warm up the room and kind of massage everything. And I knew there's something going on. I said, guys, what's happening? There's obviously something in your mind. Tell me what you're thinking. 
And they said, you know, Mash, we appreciate your heart. We appreciate you trying to connect with people and, and meet new people in our community. And this is what they said, and it broke my heart. But we don't want those kind of people in our church. My jaw dropped. I was very disappointed, obviously. I didn't stay much longer at that church because I knew the heart of the church. And that disappointed me. Now, I share you that story because what would happen if those folks came here? See, we moan and we groan, and that's all good. But what would happen if that happened here? What would be your response? What would be our leadership's response? And I've said this before. I wholeheartedly believe you guys would be on board. I really believe that. I'm not saying that because I'm up here. I believe that. And that's encouraging. That's really encouraging. All right, I got to get going here. All right, so as you think about this idea about being on mission, what would it look like if you showed hospitality to the disenfranchised in your community? People that are not like you, that are different than you. And I know this is not easy, but hospitality doesn't always mean in your home. It can always mean you go visit them. You go give them some baked goods or whatever it takes to start building a relationship so you can see what God is doing. It's something we need to think about. Now, questions to ponder. As we think about entering our community, I want you to think about your community right now. Think about where you live and ask God these questions as you think about it. You know, Jesus, where are you stirring up spiritual hunger in people's lives? See, often we'll look at people in our community through our lenses and we think there's nothing going on. But let's remind ourselves that God has much more wisdom than we do and he sees things we have never seen before. So let's not limit God by our own lenses. Let's not forget that. Who are the people who are broken and hurting that need to be shown love and encouragement? Who are those folks in your community? There's probably somebody, but God hasn't shown you yet because you haven't been open to the idea. But he might be shoulder tapping you now and saying, Jesus, show me who these people are. Lord, what do you want me to, what do you want me to see in my na- neighborhood? I believe there are so many great things happening in your communities. You just have to ask for the eyes of the Holy Spirit to show you as you impact that community and walk into there to this idea of being a missionary in their community. And Lord, what do you want me to notice? What is it you want Jesus to show you where you live? This idea that we can uh, be hands and feet with Jesus. Now, what, is it, what does it take? I talked about hanging out with Jesus. Now, a lot of you folks go for walks, don't you, in your community, which is great. I encourage you to start doing this. And you probably do this already, but let's just kick it up a notch. Start going for prayer walks in your community. And when you go for a walk, start praying. Ask God to show you. Ask God who are the hurting people. And God is going to do some tremendous things. Because once you start saturating that place with prayer, you'll be able to see what God can do in and through you. And it's something we ought to think about. So as you go for a walk with your dog or your friends or your family in your community, pray as you walk, but also look at trying to engage people. That's amazing, isn't it? Say hello. So many times we walk in our communities and wherever we live and we've got our head down and we're on our phone and we don't look at the person across from us. Saying hello goes a long ways. Just recently I was getting my car fixed at a place here in Leamington and I was going in there to pick up my car and this lady walked in. She was probably in her 50s or so and she looked over at me directly and she kind of looked away a little bit but I said hi. I said hi. And she said hi back. And of course, there's an opportunity here to say hello and, and take the conversation even further. I asked the most obvious question. Are you here to pick up your car? Well, of course. We're in a mechanic place. And I said, well, what's wrong with your car? We started having this conversation. And it started opening up. 
and I asked her a question about this. I said, where do you live? What do you do? She started to share a little bit more, more with me. Then she asked me a question. Where are you from? And I said, oh, I'm from Alberta. Just moved here to work at a church. Boom, door opened. Long story short, I asked, this, I asked her, I had this prompting from the Holy Spirit. I asked her, is there anything I can pray for you? Is there something going on in your life? Because I feel like there's something happening. And I asked her this question. I said, how is your family doing? And she started to weep. This lady I just met in a waiting room in a mechanic place. And she started to weep. And she started to share what was going on in her life. And her daughter's really sick. She's not doing really well. And I prayed for her right there. And I gave her the card, my number at the church here. and said, if you ever want to talk or connect, we can absolutely do that. All it took was a simple hello. A little goes a long ways, friends. So as you think about your neighborhood and you go for a walk next time and there's somebody walking towards you, make eye contact. Say hello. It will go further and further. That's where it starts. We're now entering this mission field. And in order for us to to jump in and, and get involved in God's community, we need to understand that we are called to be on mission. And there's other things we can do as well, you guys. There's lots of things we can do. You can talk about saying hello. You can be a regular in the communities you live in. If there's a coffee shop where you live, go there on a regular basis. Simple, right? If there's a restaurant in your community, go to the same place all the time. When I was living in Alberta, my intention was to go to the same restaurant, the same Starbucks, and I I would rent a car from the same place all the time because in our church we had a lot of rentals. And you know what happened in all three of those situations? At the rental place, the guys got to know me, I got to know them, they shared their life with me, I was able to give the Bible away, I was able to pray for some of the guys there. I went to a Starbucks on such a regular basis, they renamed the drink I ordered the Grande Mesh. (laughs) That's how long and often I would go, and I got to know the staff. And they started to share their life with me. That's all it takes, you guys. I said this earlier. I want to keep this as simple as possible. Because sometimes we, we confuse the gospel. But we are called to be the hands and feet. And there's so many other things you can do in your community. You can volunteer in your community. You can get involved and know people that are far from Christ so you can show them the practical love of who Christ is. When I do a lot of training for pastors, when I used to work for the Billy Graham Association... I would have pastors come up to me afterwards and say, you know, this is good training. It's really been helpful for us. And one of the things we talk about in our training is, do you know people that don't go to church? Simply put, do you have friends that don't know Jesus? And I would often get conversations with pastors. They come up to me and sheeplessly would say, I don't know anybody outside of the church. I have no friends that are not Christians. It's kind of a sad statement, isn't it? And my encouragement for the pastor was simply to get involved in the community, volunteer, take a risk, see what God does. I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand or anything like that, but it's something we've got to ask ourselves as well. Do we know anybody outside of the church? Do we know anybody that isn't a Christian? Because if we don't, that's on us. Because if we are simply going to stick to our little huddles and not take a risk to see what God can do in and through us, to reach people for the kingdom, for the gospel, the hope that comes in Christ, we're missing the whole point. I'm being really honest here. And that includes myself. And being in Leamington, I've been able to make some friends who are far from Christ. Very grateful for that already. But what about you? Do you know people 
outside of the church that aren't Christians. And if you don't, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to enter the mission field in your neighborhood and say, Lord, use me to fulfill your kingdom so I can help tell people about Christ? Because I think it's something that we're all challenged to do. Let me wrap this up. I'll I'll call the worship team in a minute. A few years ago, there's a movie called Mission Impossible 2. And at the beginning of the movie, somewhere in the movie, the actor, Tom Cruise, will be given a mission. And he goes through kind of a process before he can accept a mission, and it's explained to him. And this is what it would say in one of the movies. And I'll just read this to you. And this is what it said. And this is like one of the agents that would get a mission, and this is what he's told in a kind of a video. Good morning, Mr. Hunt. Now, that's the agent's name. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, involves the recovery of a stolen item designated Chimera. You may select any two members, but it's essential that the third member of your team be Mr. Hall. She is, a, she is a civilian and a highly capable professional. You have 48 hours to recruit Ms. Hall and meet me in Seville to receive your assignment. As always, should any member of your team be caught, the secretary will disavow all knowledge of your actions. And Mr. Hunt, this message will self-destruct in five seconds. Now that's called Mission Impossible. What if the tables were turned a little bit and we took our marching orders from kingdom and from the Lord Jesus and we were on mission? Maybe you could read something like this. Greetings, my disciples. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, involves changing the whole world through the Holy Spirit. You must stand fast and let me, Jesus, guide you and give you strength. Apart from me, you cannot do anything. In this battle, you will encounter many enemies, and many will die for my name's sake. When you're in trouble, I will not forsake you. My glory will shine through you. This message of hope and salvation will never be destroyed. I'm the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. See, when we have God on our side, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, all things are possible. This mission to reach people for the gospel is possible if we put Jesus in his right place in our lives. And God will use us mightily. Now, it's important to remember this as well, folks. We cannot convert anybody. So you're off the hook. Our recall is to plant seeds and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. But are you open and willing to say, Lord, I want to dive all in and join you on this mission? Now, as the worship team comes up, a couple of last things for you. As we enter this conversation, I know that we can start thinking about feeling guilty. And that guilt is real. But that guilt shouldn't hold you back. Because Jesus is simply saying, trust me. Follow me. And don't let the guilt slow you down. And don't let the guilt keep you from diving into this mission. And fear is real as well, isn't it? We're scared. I get it. I understand that wholeheartedly. I get scared too when I talk to people that are far from God. But you know what? It's amazing when it happens. So look at the fear in the eye and say no. Look at guilt and say no. And ask Jesus to use you mightily so you can change your neighborhoods. And the question I have for you today is, will you join God in your neighborhood? Will you join him where he's already working? And will you decide to change southern Alberta? Sorry, southern Ontario. (laughs) My heart's there a little bit. Will you change Southern Ontario one neighborhood at a time? As we wrap this up, my big question for you today is simply this. This is the only thing I got you to think about today. What would change if you saw yourself sent from God into the neighborhood as you entered your mission field? You can choose to accept it, or you can choose to walk away. And my encouragement is that you choose to accept it, 
come in with open arms and see what the Holy Spirit can do in and through you. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that you are on mission and you called us to be on mission. And Lord, as we think about what lies ahead, help us not to walk in fear. Help us not to fear what the enemy may have. I pray, God, that you would use us so mightily in the communities you called us where we live that we'd see lives change. So I pray, Lord, today that you stir in our heart this passion, this desire, this want to be in mission, to enter the mission field where you called us to be and to look past ourselves, to look at people through the eyes of your Holy Spirit and to take a risk and to trust that when we walk through a door that's scary, when we walk through a door that is unknown, that you would give us the strength we need. And we know without a shadow of a doubt in our heart and our spirit that you're with us till the end of the age. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, I know that uh, it sometimes is a hard message to hear uh, because we get comfortable and we, we kind of stay in our own circles. And uh, this message is for me as well. But as you think about being a missionary for God's kingdom, as you enter the mission field, I want you to think about those things you pray about God entering your, king, uh, your neighborhood and start seeing people through the eyes of Christ. And for you folks that are already doing stuff like this, you know what? I want you to tell other people what you're doing so we can get in this together. We're a team, you guys. We're in this together. We're not individualized. Let's start talking about what God is doing. Give him praise and glory and share those stories so we can inspire people to do the work of the kingdom. Because when I hear from other people what God is doing, awesome. It gets me excited. And so that's my challenge and my encouragement to you as well. Uh, it's good to be on mission together. And realize this, God is in control. God is bigger than any of that stuff. Let's pray. Father, you are good. And you are big. And we're grateful. And as we think about being on mission, Father, I pray that our hearts would catch that and what that means. And if there needs to be a change with our own spirit, as we look at our relationship with you, I pray through the prompting of your Holy Spirit, you break down walls that are causing us to stay far from you. Lord, it starts with you and it ends with you. This is not about me. This is not about any of us. This is about what the work of your Holy Spirit can do. And I pray that you would show us and you would blow us away as we dive in to say, Lord, I am on mission and I want to be used by you. And I pray that prayer for all of us here this morning that we leave this building and we think about what it means to be on mission, where we live, where we work, where we play. And God, do what you can do because we know you can do amazing things. So thank you for each person here this morning. I pray for a special blessing over them and their family and the rest of the day. In the strong name of Jesus, amen. If you've come this morning, you need prayer, I want to talk about any of this stuff, I'll be available up front and so others. Have a great day.